Welcome to a new episode of On the Flight Line. I'm Marcus Gropel, and today we are joined by a pilot of one of my personal favorite warbirds, the B-25. Welcome, Bud Carter. How are you doing today? Doing very good, thank you. So let's take it all the way back to the beginning. Uh, when were you born? <laughs> <laughs> November 12th, 1924. 1924. In Los Angeles, and I, I found a birth certificate, or not, yeah, uh, a bill from the hospital uh, $25 for the week. For the week? I, I figured I'm worth that. <laughs> no no kidding. That's uh, Really? It was yeah. $25? I have a, a real copy of the real bill that the, my mother got for my birth at the hospital. Oh my gosh. $25 and converted to today's money. What is probably oh, all more than more than a couple <laughs> hundred there. <laughs> um, so you're Southern California native. So right, yeah. So you got the nice, you know, the weather, right? So you can't go anywhere else? <laughs> You know, I, I wonder when I retired, I uh, my wife and I decided to look around, find some place where we, you know, we might want to spend the, our last day. Every time we'd come back to Laguna, we'd say, "You crazy guy! Why, <laughs> why, why leave here? Why leave? You got the seventy degree weather, the yeah. sunshine, and all that, right?" So let's uh, go into the your high school days when you found out about the war. Do you remember where you were the day that you found out about oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I was a junior at South Pasadena High School at the time. And uh, the Saturday, the Sunday, the Saturday before the actual bombing raid, the biggest worry I had was whether Pat Gibbs would go to the school dance with me or not. I woke up the next morning, turned the radio on, of course, no television. And uh, all of a sudden, our country's at war. And uh, it, it affected everybody. When I went to school the following Monday, almost half of the high school, the senior boys were not there. They were in Los Angeles signing up to go to to get to go they, into the yeah, service. Yeah, to get get into the war. Right. It was just it was all or nothing at all. So did um, so you were a junior. So you weren't of age yet, right, to enter no, the service. No, I was seventeen. And uh, when you're seventeen and a half, you have to go in and sign up with the government, and uh, that's a draft. When If your number comes up, then you go in the other way. And the way I got in, I had always liked airplanes as a kid. I used to make model airplanes and go down to the airport on weekends, stuff like that. So I knew I was, I knew that I was going to be into the war and uh, I was healthy and the right age. So I went to the Army Air Corps and volunteered and put my name in. And um, yeah, a couple of months after I got 18, I got the letter. I was in. That you were in. Yeah. So after after you graduated from from high school. Well, uh, actually, I didn't go through graduation. I I left um, in April of 1943 uh, to get in the military, and the, of course the graduation was in June. Well, by the by June, I was a soldier. I was uh, learning how to be a soldier to get <laughs> ready time. to get already. Yeah. All. But yeah. you completed the high school program, right? You well, yeah. They, my diploma was mailed to me by the high school. Oh. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> you didn't walk, but you I got the walk, you got the, right. the finish. Yeah. So did you? Uh, while you were in training, did you also go to college at the same time while you were training? Or? Well, the first uh, one, kind of an interesting side story about that training. I went up to Ogden, Utah. And uh, it was just basic training, learning how to march and be a soldier and that sort of thing. And I went in with several fellows, three other fellows from my high school, friends of mine, and we were all in the same tent together. And after a couple of days of marching, I got an infected toe and I uh, bad enough that I had to go into the infirmary. 
and uh, I was there for three days. And when I got out to the infirmary, infirmary, I went back to the tent to meet my guys. And that morning, all of them had been shipped out. Oh, they were, they were already pulled. they were they were in the military and they were shipped out. And I, because they were friends of mine from high school, I was able to keep track with them. And those, three of those guys ended up in combat, and I never did. And I've often thought to myself how little things in life can have a, you know, really a major effect on what happens the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So you had the toe, and then next thing you know, the people you were already you were talking to the yes the day before were already gone. That's right. Well, from there, mm -hmm. then I went to as as an uh, an officer, you you're supposed to have been graduated, had some college education, mm -hmm. and of course I was just out of high school, so they took us to. I went to uh, Hayes, Kansas, mm -hmm. and I was there for, as I recall, about seven months. And uh, they just they just rammed a college course. Uh, oh, they at really us. gave it to you? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and while I was there, it was kind of interesting. Uh, the groundskeepers were prisoners of war from Germany. Oh, well, really? I often wondered those guys were looking at us, who are training to go over and shoot their brothers. And, mm -hmm. But yeah, so I got I got a, a year's college credit. A year's college credit for while you were there. Yeah. So at least you got a little bit of a you know training. So when you got out of the service, you had a little bit more. Yeah, right. Now there, there was emphasis on navigation and meteorology and things like that, but it was a pretty general college course. So you were in the you were in the service now in in training. Uh, were you expecting? Were you, what was your end goal? Were you wanting to be a pilot? Were you wanting to be a navigator, a bombardier? What were oh, your what pilot? Were your, what your pilot? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Any, any particular aircraft during that time, or was it a B twenty five? Oh no, no, no! You had no say. You had no what, say. What, you just got yeah. sent to doing that. So um, let's start with your your basic training. How did you learn to fly? On what aircraft? Well, let me tell you another little story oh, okay. from Hayes, Kansas. Mm -hmm. We got on a troop train. And we're heading to the pre-flight school. Pre-flight school is where they tested to see whether you're going to be a pilot, navigator, bombardier, or washed out. But typical of the wartime, we had no idea where we were going. We could have gone anywhere in the world, or anywhere in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I woke up, I got uh, at this base at night, it was dark, and uh, climbed into bed upstairs in the second floor. And the next morning I woke up and looked out on Newport Beach. I couldn't believe how lucky I was. <laughs> that I ended up at uh, Santa Ana Army Air Base, mm -hmm. which is in Costa Mesa, Costa as you know. Mesa. Yeah. Which is now OC Fairgrounds, right? Orange County Fair Fairgrounds, Fairgrounds and, right, right, the Fairgrounds and uh, the college and the city hall. Mm -hmm. That was all big, one big, huge... Airfield. Air, yeah, <laughs> air base at the time. They ran 24,000 uh, cadets a year through there. Really? During the, during the war years, yeah. Mm -hmm. So imagine nowadays, you know, it's all this development, and oh, you, yeah. you when, when you were there, it was all was it all just flat land, or was it? Oh yeah, it was just it's just one big huge base. What? There was no airfield mm -hmm. there, but it was just a, an army base. Okay. It went from uh, from Harbor Boulevard to Newport Boulevard, and Baker to Wilson, wow. uh, and. And, and it was all military at that time. Mm -hmm. So that is that was that where you learned to fly? Was that your basic no, training? No, no. They that was where you you they would decide which branch or you know where you're going, mm -hmm. whether you'd be a navigator, bombardier, or pilot. And luckily, I qualified for the pilot training. And from there, I went up to um, 
a place called Little Field up in Northern California called Dos Palos. And that's where I started to learn, that, that's where I learned how to fly. They had uh, the Stearmans uh, there, and, um, you know, you'd go about maybe six or seven hours and, and of instruction, and you'd land, and the pilot would get out and say, okay, bud, take it up. <laughs> and, and that was your solo flight, which was kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. So so let's, let's take it back to your, your solo flight. Do you remember how it all went down your first time on your by yourself up in the air? I was very comfortable. I don't. I don't recall. I just loved to fly. Yeah, you love the 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 open space up in the sky. Oh yeah, it was an open cockpit airplane, of oh, course. So you got the wind and going. The and wind going, and uh, I remember one time we were doing. We, the instructor was introducing me to uh, aerobatics, and he wanted me to do a snap roll. Uh, and I had thought about how to do this in, in bed the night before. Let's see, you put you know the stick mm-hmm. in the rudder, and I did it, and it was a pretty nice snap roll. Wow! And the instructor said, "You've been practicing, haven't you?" <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so you went from so that was your was it primary training. That was for primary, okay. yeah. And uh, I had um, about seventy-five hours, as I recall, from okay. there, and then from there I went to Taft, uh, which is just outside of Bakersfield. We learned to fly the Volte vibrator. Uh, they called it that because anytime you did aerobatics, the canopy rattled so much that you thought the plane was falling apart. Oh, what so a nice nickname <laughs> then, yeah. huh? That gives you a lot of confidence to go. <laughs> Volte vibrator. <laughs> and uh, I was there for about uh, two and a half, three months. Uh, and then from there, I graduated and went to Luke Field, uh, which is just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. And there uh, we started to fly the AT-6, mm, the North American AT-6. And that was a real joy. I just loved that airplane. <laughs> was, it easy to, was it easy to fly or was it, do you, just, you just knew how to fly it right there? Uh, well, I may sound like I, I'm patting myself on the back, <laughs> but, I, but I had a lot of fun flying and I enjoyed every minute of it. I had no problem. <laughs> no problem with it. Um, so after your your T six training, was that when they decided to put you on a B twenty five, or how did that process go? Well, yeah, uh, it was actually I was in a, what they called a holdover class. By the time I was there, it was uh, November of nineteen forty four. The war was almost over; it was winding down, mm-hmm. and they didn't know what to do with us guys. Uh, we weren't needed; they didn't need replacement pilots over in combat. So I was with the holdover class. I ended up flying about 160 hours, which is normally about twice what you would do uh, and normal uh, flying the AT-6. And they just hand keys to the airplane and say, go fly somewhere. And um, you know, there's no radar at that time, so you, you could literally fly anywhere you wanted. Uh-huh. I just get in a plane, fly around Arizona. <laughs> Used to fly down the Grand Canyon for the heck of it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Wow, the freedom! So, oh, it was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> got 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 to fly, you know, just kind of like just it's like getting in your car on a weekend and just saying I'm going to go on PCH or something. <laughs> exactly. That was that, that was your joyride for yeah. the weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> so was it was there? I know, like you know, t- you know, the T six is kind of like a trainer aircraft. How was it getting accustomed to the B twenty five? Very interesting. Uh, normally, when you go into a twin engine, the, the prior to that, you would have learned as a, as a cadet to fly in a multi-engine airplane. But it was kind of unusual uh, that I went from single engine to a multi-engine, the B-25. 
after I graduated. And um, the reason, I think, was that I eventually was going to, it was slated to go into the P-61, the Black Widow. Now, that's a twin-engine airplane, but it's a single pilot. In other words, there's no co-pilot. So I have an idea that that's, that's why I went from single-engine to multi-engine, because I was going to end up as a single-pilot airplane. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, uh, that never happened because the war ended. Mm, right, right when that happened. Okay. Yeah. So, still- so I had the same, I had the same experience in the B twenty five that I did in the AT six. They didn't know what to do with us. It was a holdover class. I ended up with. Uh, about 200 hours in uh, in the B-25, and normally it would have been about 75, mm-hmm. but they just give us the keys and say, go fly somewhere. So you just started racking up the hours as it Well, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I, I guess I have one story uh, to tell. Mm-hmm. Do you know where, you know where Crystal Cove is, where yes. the little cottages are? Mm-hmm. My parents had a cottage uh, there during the war, and uh, I was flying out of Douglas, Arizona. I'd call my mom and dad and say, are you going to be at the beach house today? Yeah. I would take a look around 2 o'clock, and I'd get my B-25 and fly out to Newport Beach and buzz over the pier at, at uh, Newport and put an air show on for my mom and dad. And I've often thought, you know, what must my mom and dad have been thinking? Here's their 20-year-old son just out of high school. Uh-huh. Flying a twin-engine bomber just for their yeah. just for, for their show. Just for them. My mother, my name is Bud, and my mother used to put towels on the sand. Hi, Bud. So that's my war story. <laughs> oh, so you got to go. It was it along the beach, so you got to see. Oh yeah, them. yeah. Oh. I made two trips uh, to Southern California. One other trip, uh, I was flying up around Pasadena because that's where I grew up in San Marino, and uh, I flew kind of low, I guess. Uh, anyway, the week after that, I had leave, and I came home, and I went to my local barber uh, right up the street from where my house is and um, to get my hair cut, and <clears throat> he saw that I was in the Air Force. He said, boy, some damn fool came over last weekend so low, he almost knocked all the bottles off of the wall, oh. and I thought, I don't <laughs> think I want to tell him that was me. <laughs> And you're like, did it instantly click? You're like, oh, that I think that was me. It was true. Oh, it, it just it just clicked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the war was winding down. Uh, I want to ask, how did your your parents feel or about you joining the service so early, right out of high school? Were they all well? It, everybody was doing it. That was not. It wasn't mm-hmm. unusual. Mm-hmm. Everybody right out of high school when you became 18, you were in the military. There was no question. So there was no question about it. Uh, my parents just uh, took it in stride. It's just part of what's happening in the war. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, you're a young man. You're mm-hmm. gonna be there. Mm-hmm. I know my mother uh, actually was kind of a typical housewife at that time. Never learned to drive. Had never had a job. After the war started, she signed up and uh, worked for a little company in South Pasadena that made light bulbs that went into airplanes. And I remember my mother telling me after the war that she was so careful when she was building these light bulbs because she never knew whether one of them might end up in an airplane that I was flying. Oh, so she was very careful, (laughs) Very careful (laughs) in particular, yeah. Yeah. So she she really made everything everything with love, because she knew maybe one day it could have possibly that's been, right. it could have been on an airplane. That's right. So, um, do you have any stories or fun stories about 
when you were flying or during your training sessions? Well, I can remember two things. One, when I was at uh, Santa Ana Army Air Base, uh, you'd go through all these tests day in and day out. At the end of the day, uh, they'd post the names of the guys who had washed out on your on on the built on the barrack wall. But anyway, when I was going through one of the days, I <coughs> had gone through the uh, eye the, the color whether you're colorblind or not. And I went up to the sergeant who was saying, oh, he said, that's too bad. You, hmm, you, So you didn't pass. I said, wait a minute. What do you mean I didn't pass? You know, you do, he said, you're colorblind. I said, no, it can't be. Oh, wait a minute. He said, oh, that's a D, not a B. Oh, okay. oh you're okay. <laughs> now, my heart pumped a little bit on that one. Because oh, like, that, that, that would have been the, the time oh, that they would I, I would have been washed out. Oh, gosh. And the other, uh, another experience I remember having up in, in primary, they'd have, after so many hours, they would have uh, an, a, a um, test, I'm not sure what you'd call it, a uh, check pilot. Uh, who, somebody who was really experienced, and he was going to be, if you didn't pass with that check pilot, you'd be washed out. And I can remember coming in for a landing, and I had a crosswind, this is on the Stearman, and uh, almost ground looped. And I just had a heck of a time, but I was able to, to level it out, and I didn't dig a wing in, everything was okay. And I remember the, uh, the instructor, the uh, check pilot saying, you know, I probably, he said, I was thinking of not passing you because you were too um not aggressive enough not aggressive not aggressive enough but but after that landing i think i'll go ahead and get you passed <laughs> so, <laughs> so then you th got your pass for that one. so that was okay then uh, the other time when i was flying up in luke field um uh, as i say we had plenty of time just to fool around i can remember one story we had a the flight suits, of course, we had safety belts, so you couldn't put your hands in the pocket, so mm -hmm. they had what they called a knee pocket. And if I was going to be up any length of time, I'd put a Hershey bar in my knee pocket. And one day I was doing uh, some aerobatics, and I flew upside down, and a darn Hershey bar fell out and hit the top <laughs> of the canopy. And when I rolled around again, it fell right down to the bottom wow. of the plane. And I thought, well, darn if I'm going to let the mechanic eat that tomorrow, what to do? rolled upside down again. <laughs> this time the Hershey bar fell out. Mm -hmm. I reached up and grabbed it mm -hmm. and ate it and that's my other war story. <laughs> okay. So there we go. You had your got some you got your uh, sugar fixing that day right. <laughs> with the candy. So uh, so the war has ended. Did you want to stay? Did you end up wanting to stay longer or did you end up leaving? Uh, no. Um, ended up uh, I got out in uh, I think November, as I recall, 1945, and it was interesting. Uh, the war is over. I'm not in the military anymore. Mm -hmm. I have a new life, and it, the past is all the past. You mm -hmm. didn't even think about it. I I ended up going to college at University of Oregon, and I can remember the we were the first group that that returned after the war in first group of men which was kind of nice because up until that time it had been almost all girls. So all of a sudden the, the men came into the picture. Mm -hmm. So it was a nice relationship between the... <laughs> <laughs> but what I, what I meant to say was that the fellows that uh, almost all of us were, were ex-military 
and nobody ever talked about it. The war was over. It was done, period. We had one fellow who was, uh, had, uh, was a tail gunner in a B-17. He had been shot down, had been uh, in a prisoner of war for months, and one of the, the, uh, the newer classmates who was an officer at the, at the fraternity that I was in was ready to give him a, a, a spanking or a pounding on the rear end because of some something he did wrong. And the poor guy ended up on the floor. He didn't know that he was dealing with, a, with an ex-prisoner of war. After you left the service, uh, were you... Did you want to continue flying, or did you want to just go back to civilian life? Well, I would like to have, and um, I, I applied for a couple of jobs, flying jobs, and one of them I was in Burbank, and it was a application that we were applying for a job with an airline, and I was listening to the conversation of the guys around me, and they had 2,000 hours twin-engine time flying over the hump, and I thought to myself, there's no way. You know, I've got 200 hours, they've got 2,000 hours multi-engine. So it it was hard to get a job at that time. Yeah, yeah, I would like to have stayed in, but it just wasn't in the cards. I did get an instructor's uh, rating, and I did teach. I got to teach. Okay, so you got a little bit more aviation. I had uh, four years uh, in a GI program, and I had already a a year's credit for... um, from the time that I spent at Hayes, Kansas. So I got my instructor's rating, and uh, when I was up at Eugene, I'd spent a little spare time inst- instructing people how to fly, and that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. No scary stories for that one, right? Did you have no. any? No. No uh, moments with the with the studio you were just kind of like, <laughs> why did I do this? <laughs> no. I, uh, I, I, this is kind of a dumb story. I, one student that I had was just terrible, and he had no depth or sip perception at all and I, I just said I'm sorry I can't teach you anymore I, I, in fact I you know I'd, I'd suggest you drop out of the program he didn't mm-hmm. and two months later he died in an airplane crash he <gasps> spun in mm-hmm. so that, that's a nothing story that's you. <laughs> okay let's talk about your life after and kind of work current today um, You ended up marrying that the sweetheart. Ah, Just remember the story? Or remember when I said the biggest worry I had uh, before the war started was whether Pat Gibbs would go to the school dance with yes. me or not? Well, she did. she did. And after the war, we were married, and we Aww. have been married for sixty-eight years now. Aww. So that's another that's another nice war story. That's a nice war story. Yeah. You got to marry your your high school sweetheart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about more today where we're sitting today here at Lion Air Museum. Um, how long ago did you join us? How did we get so lucky here to get you here? <laughs> um, a friend of mine who is friends with Mark, mm-hmm. uh, and a long time, lifelong friend of mine mm-hmm. that I grew up with, uh, we were in, having lunch one day and he, he suggested that I give it a try. He said, why don't you go up and see about becoming a docent? So I phoned and made an appointment and. And I talked to Jade, and uh, that was that. Next thing you know, you're here. Yeah. How many years, how many years now has it been? Gosh, a long time, three and right? Three and a half, four. I think, I think it's been at least four years. Four years. As I recall. Wow. And I'll tell you, this, is, this has been a lifesaver for me. I see. It is. Uh, I, I talk to the kids about 
you know, I'm 94 years old now, mm-hmm. and I don't have I don't have many friends left. They go, oh. They've just they've died, mm-hmm. and I have to say the, the my group of friends are the docents here. Mm-hmm. These are my buddies. These are my friends. So I look forward to coming <laughs> coming in and uh, lying to each other. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your favorite days coming on during the week here? You like your you like your Mondays, right? And you do your Mondays. Yeah, I I tell you, I enjoy the 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 school years when the school comes the school, in, mm-hmm. school kids come in. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun, and I think I've I finally, after a year or so, I've got a talk down mm-hmm. where the kids seem to be interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell them what it was like to be a teenager uh, during World War II, and then we're standing right by the B-17, and then I'll say, okay, and then I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to take you on a, on a mission in this B-17. And the kids' eyes light up. Oh, they get all like, yeah. And they just think that's great. And I said, who wants to be the, the ball turret gunner? Everybody oh, raises well. their hand. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I enjoy that. And then the other, I enjoy Fridays a lot because a bunch of old old pilots <laughs> are, <laughs> seem, seem to be there on Fridays. What's your guys' name? Did you guys, have, did you guys create a whole group name, wasn't it? Tailspinners. The Tailspinners. <laughs> that's what they're called. Friday mornings. That's, what, that's, that's, that's the day that they come in. Well, I got wind of a letter that you had written and that you were saying that you get more being here than... Uh, I'm sorry? That oh. you get more being here at the museum than you're giving back. Can we talk about that letter? Yeah, yes. I remember writing that because you you walk up to somebody, you have no idea who they are, and it turns out that I have met more interesting people to take them around. Mm -hmm. For instance, one day I had a nice young lady um, and asked her if she'd like a tour, and she said yes, walked around. Finally, I found out, as I questioned her, found out she was a pilot on a B-1 bomber. On a B-1 bomber? I mean, she's a tiny little petite little lady and I you flying so I ended up learning I talked to her a lot about that very often I end up learning more about things in the in the airplane world than I've been able to to Mm -hmm. give to the other people because we get a lot of a lot of pilots that come here that are uh, you know they're waiting for their flight the next day they're flying the big the huge uh Big jets. The big jets, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. It's the interesting people you get to meet. Oh, absolutely. You, you never know what you never know what kind of person you're gonna That's get. That's right. Could be a pilot. Could be X this, X that. It's really interesting. Last last uh, f- Monday, I gave, was giving a tour to some people from England, and I went up to C forty seven, talked about the fact that it was flying, you know, during D day. And uh, this little fellow in the background said, "Oh yes, that's the Dakota, isn't it?" And I said, "Well, yeah." He said, "Well, that—that's the plane. I—I fl- I was a, a parachutist during the war, and really? in England, and mm-hmm. that's what they called the C-47. There was the Dakota. So that's the type of thing I'm talking about, mm-hmm. where you—you just—you never know what you're going to yes. find. <laughs> it's always—it's always a different day every time you come oh, yeah. here. It's yeah. never—it's never—it's never the same day twice. Yeah, no, that—that's <laughs> for sure. It's always fun. You know, you've been here for Lion Air Racing four years, and we I." Just did the number over 750 hours you've been here. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I can hardly believe it. But um, all of us here, you know, we want to. 
thank you for you know even though you didn't say combat but we want to thank your your selflessness your willingness to go out there whenever whenever you were called there was no doubt in you and we just wanted to say thank you for that because you are inspiring i think the future generations to be that same way as well we want to say thank you for that well i i thank you and i i have to say that i feel embarrassed when people say that to me you know thank you for your service because the fact of the matter is I had a ball during World War II. I hate to admit it, but I was one of the lucky ones. Mm -hmm. Never got overseas, never had shot at anybody. Nobody ever shot at me. And I was learning how to fly. Yeah, I would have paid the government to do that. Mm -hmm. So I, it was one of the high spots of my life mm -hmm. was the two and a half years that I was in the military. The military. So, but you were, but you know, were, I've been one of the lucky ones. The lucky ones, but you were ready to go. In oh, case sure, you oh, I couldn't wait, yeah, yeah. And you were good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Okay. We, are right at, we have out of time, but I want to say thank you so much for joining us and telling your story. And we okay. look forward to having you back around. And you can find Bud uh, Mondays and Fridays, Monday Monday morning, Friday morning, right? Yeah, Both right. days. Well, thank, thank you so you. much, Bud. Thanks so much for joining us on today's episode. I want to especially thank our special guest, Bud Carter, for joining us. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and more. This has been Marcus Gropel with On the Flight Line. Till we meet again, and blue skies to you. <laughs>